Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA and we're doing it right now on Tuesday morning. Joining me from Austin, Texas is Kirk Goldsberry. Hello, Kirk. Hello, Brian. Hope you're enjoying the uh, the All-Star break as much as I am. I hope you are enjoying it. My workload completely stays the same. So. <laughs> uh, that is uh, that right there. Joining us from New York City is Anscape's Mark J. Spears, but he's not going to speak just yet because at this moment we have to congratulate Mr. Spears on being nominated, not nominated, named to the Basketball Hall of Fame with the Kurt Gowdy Award which was uh, he was he was given it was announced over the weekend in All Star Weekend in Salt Lake City, so we have on this podcast a genuine Hall of Famer. It's kind of um, it's uplifting to me, Mark, but it's also depressing because I feel like the Hall of Fame is what you get in at the end of your career, and you're not that much older than me. Uh, having said that, um, you are one of the most respected men in the field, and this is uh, a tremendous honor. Uh, Absolute congratulations, and Thank I you. hope you and your family uh, get to embrace this and enjoy it. And the induction is in August in Springfield. Yeah. And uh, hey, man, congratulations! We're so proud of you and, and so happy for you. Oh man, thank you, man. Uh, it's over the weekend in Salt Lake was just crazy, and uh, just the love that I got because you know I, I found out two days before. But yeah, I'm like, well, they they could change their mind. I like, I need to hear them say it publicly. (laughs) (laughs) So when they did say it publicly, and I'm going in with Holly Rowe, who I mean, kudos to her. She's super amazing. That was actually the first time I ever met her. Um, I'm still kind of like overwhelmed by it all. Um, But I'm like, just just the got like 500 text messages, man. Like yeah, people. I was I I text you congratulations and I was like oh, I'm all here back from from a couple of days. I heard back from a couple hours, so I knew you must have been uh, on your phone trying to get back to everybody. Yeah, no. So it was um you know my wife got to be there too and uh, kind of see like the joy from her eyes. Like oh man, it, it I'll, I'll never forget that moment. And um, they hey, as I as I told Tim Tim Bontemps, man, like shoot, they can put my name in the closet or upside down, but it's in there. <laughs> right. Like right. it's it's in the Hall of Fame. And you know, as a kid, like I grew up thinking about trying to be a Hall of Fame basketball player and definitely wasn't that. But you know, to get in this way, like is um man, super humbling and and uh stunning to me. It 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 is it, just, you know. It's an ex- probably the most incredible honor of my life for sure. Yeah, Kirk. Um, we're I mean, we you look at the list of winners of this award. It's um, it's basically a who's who of the great basketball journals in history. So that's who we've got on the pod with us right now. Yeah, it's it's setting the bar pretty high. And then, like Wendy said, Mark, it's it's particularly impressive given that you're not quite an old dude just yet. So uh, <laughs> have some have some trips to Springfield lined up for years to come and, sh- and show yeah, that off to so. your friends. I mean, that's going to be. That's great. I mean, what a mic drop moment for you to be. Hey, let's go to the Hall of Fame. And then yeah, here's here's my here's my little plaque or my exhibit yeah. or whatever they're going to give you. I don't care. Yeah. Like you said, if it's in a closet, it's in there and you get you deserve it. And you get to show that off to people yeah. like me for years to come. So congrats. my dear. Well, I'm sure you guys will be there soon, too. Right. So I, um, it's funny. David Aldridge, who I mean, is one of my biggest mentors, he like grabs his phone. He said, look at this. I'm like, what? And he showed me like a picture of his name in the Hall of Fame, like where it was. Uh, and <laughs> I was like, that's pretty dope. He was with um, it, uh, like he he just seeing his pride. And and he's certainly somebody that I've really watched. Like you guys understand you have people that you watch and kind of same way players steal stuff from people. We steal stuff from other journalists and how to do our job. So like to see him excited and show me what it's going to be like. Um, you know, and hear my mom say, well, I'm coming. I'm coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's um, uh, I, I'm so I, I'm beyond excited about this. And when I do get the opportunity to to speak on August 11th, man, I, I, I care more about saying thank you to all the people that were important to me than like pounding my own chest. Like, you know, I there's a lot of people that are really, really important to me that I, I need to uh, highlight. So I'm looking forward to doing that. 
Yeah. It's gonna be, that's and, gonna be um, one of the most important things you write, my guy. I've, yeah. I've, I've watched a few people <laughs> no go pressure. through that. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, right. Oh man. Now at least well, I got. I think I got something to read off of. At least you know I can practice it and all that. So that helps. <laughs> yeah, Kirk used to work for the Spurs. He was used to being around Hall of Famers. He's not. He's not uh, overwhelmed. Like well, that's I, what I was gonna I say. I've seen people go through this process, and it it. It's a very important Yeah, but they're not writers, message. right? No, that's right. Manu, Manu <laughs> could have done anything. That's where we're stronger than them, is at least we know how to write. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. But yeah, who's in their class? Isn't it Greg uh, Popovich going to be up I there? Mean, if, uh, assuming, yeah, I mean, yeah, Popovich, Gasol, um, <laughs> Dirk, Wade, right? Dirk? Parker, and Dirk. Oh, Parker. I, I would expect Gene Cady to make it. I assumed he was in there already um he he's a finalist as well so I, I expect all of them to get in i got one of the cool things was at the ceremony like being up on stage with wade and gasol was dope right like to be, <laughs> and and like wade congratulating me was cool man i mean uh but I, I did have a quick moment with gasol where i said hey man being obviously kobe bryant i said man he'd be really proud of you and he I think he kind of choked up a little bit so I, I could see, because I remember when Kobe got in, obviously the late, great Kobe Bryant got in, that Powell was there and definitely was around, you know, Vanessa Bryant a lot and is very close to the family still. So I, I, I'm not speaking for the Bryant family, but I would, they they were, and they were at the All-Star game, which was great. Um, I would expect them to go with Powell, to honor Powell. I, I would think they will. And so that's kind of a little side story that I think that All-Star Weekend is going to, I mean, Hall of Fame Weekend is going to be a little emotional because Powell being there brings brings Kobe back too. Yeah, well, it's remarkable. I always find it so remarkable, um, the Powell's relationship with, with Kobe's family because there were times where Kobe was really, really rough on Powell. <laughs> it was yeah, like, yeah. it was like, that's the, that's the Kobe experience, right? Is that he beats you up and then at the end he hugs you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I, I'm sure that will be recalled. I mean, the other thing about Powell is that he was a superstar before he came to LA and yeah. then he helped uplift that team to two titles. So can I, can I add um, something to that too? Basketball related and Kirk, I definitely like to hear what you think on this. I think what's, what was incredible, Brian, you mentioned it like Powell was a star already when he was traded to the Lakers in 2008. But you have all these teams that have made all these changes right before the trade deadline. The Lakers made a ton. The Clippers have made a ton. And obviously, the Nets have made a major change. And Kirk, like this is this is, you know, your stats like guru. Right. Um, but when you make all these changes, like I'm still pretty stunned that the Lakers were able to go to the finals that quickly. Yeah. with integrating Powell in the middle of the season they you know in 2008 right he he got there and they were able to bring him in like that usually doesn't happen that quickly it usually takes time for a team to gel and with with all these new players which I think is going to be perhaps an amazing challenge for the Lakers and the Clippers is like you're just incorporating all these guys um maybe Phoenix not so much because it's one megastar but um I, I was always in awe how Powell was able to like fit in with a big star like Kobe and get the Lakers to the finals. Yeah. We talk about the pressure that Rob Palenka has been under the last few months to make a deal. Remember that that year Kobe asked for a trade. Yeah. Kobe, you know, not asked for a trade behind the scenes and let it slink, you know, slip out through the media went on the radio, went on TV and said, I've played my last, game in a laker uniform hey brian and wasn't that the day that lebron got his first mvp no lebron didn't get his first mvp because i feel like he made a trade demand the day lebron made it got his first mvp award well you know what spears you might be right about that that i, would, I don't I, so lebron won his first mvp in 09 he won 9 10 12 and 13 so no i don't think so okay but <clears throat> I do remember like you know, something major happened for LeBron that day. It's, it's possible. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, think of the pressure that Mitch Kupchak was under and Jerry oh, Buss no was under um, and they delivered that deal. But I will say this, having covered some teams that have made massive changes 
in the middle of the season. Yeah, it can work out, but it's hard. You know, I remember um, in 2007, I think it was 2008 when, I remember it was 2007. I can't remember what year it was, but the Cavs I was covering with LeBron made a 10 player trade at like 2.55 PM on deadline day. And I remember the next day the Cavs were playing. It was one of those more surreal moments in my career. The Cavs were actually playing a game. They had like seven players. They were playing a game and all four players arrived and they did the press conference for the new players during halftime of the game. And so it was like, it was like Ben Wallace, Delonte West, Wally Zerbiak and Joe Smith sitting. And of course it didn't finish in time. So we're in the press conference and we're hearing from Ben Wallace about how he's going to show LeBron how to win, how to win a championship and out. You can hear in the bowl, you know, Damon Jones, LeBron, like the Cavs are scoring baskets with their seven players while their new players are being introduced. And it was just an indication of the oddity of, of the, of the moment. And that's the situation the Lakers are in, you know, they're starting the, you know, the team that Darvin Ham started at the last right before the break, 60% of the starters, three of the five starters, they just acquired within a few days. You're changing wow. out three of your starters <laughs> in February. It's crazy, right? Wild. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit right now about a team that's radically changing its lineup and that's the Phoenix suns. So, um, not a hundred percent sure Durant is going to come back for Friday's game against the thunder at home. Um, he kind of was hedging a little bit um, and talking to some folks in the organization. They're not sure. Although it seems unlikely that he's gonna be able, you know, he, cause you want to scrimmage and then you want to see how you react to a scrimmage. They're not practicing until Thursday. Seems like it might be tough for Friday. Uh, I'm planning on going out to Phoenix um, yeah. for the game on Friday. So we'll see if I'm seeing Duran or not. Um, but Is they it have a home a, stand or just one game. No, they actually, they go on a road trip. Um, okay. They actually have a couple of high profile games uh, coming up here. Uh, they play Sunday in Milwaukee and then they are on the road for the week. And then they finish their road trip in Dallas uh, Sunday after a week from this Sunday, Sunday afternoon, ABC game, um, Durant, Kyrie, uh, <laughs> Luca, Chris Paul, Booker, <laughs> Hopefully everybody's healthy. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Um, also this Sunday, I believe that the Mavericks play the Lakers on Sunday afternoon. So mm. uh, inter- lots of interesting storylines coming up now that we're in full swing basketball season. Uh, the premium uh, Sunday games and Saturday games are coming because these are the games, these matchups they've been saving so after football season. But the Suns, uh, Kirk, I think are going to be in a fascinating situation with the lineup that they're going to deploy they've already been one of the league's best teams with, you know, when they're all healthy and now they trade two of their starters, Bridges and Cam Johnson, bring in Durant to pair him with Booker on the wing. The possibilities of what this team can do offensively are incredible. Yeah, that's exactly what I've been studying uh, since, since we got the news. Uh, there's a couple things that jump off the page. Obviously, the, the top four players are pretty clear. One question we have to figure out is who's going to be the, the fifth player. But you're exactly right. This is the, the fifth-ranked team in the West, and it's not often that the fifth-ranked team in the West becomes the betting favorites come out of the West. That's unusual, and it obviously has everything to do with the, the, the Durant trade. Uh, the 18th ranked offense in the NBA, that's such a misleading stat right now, Brian, because that number is already 120 when Booker has played. He's missed a lot of time. I can't wait to see this offense for one sort of nerdy reason. Uh, and Spears, and you guys will appreciate this. These are three elite mid-range talents in the era of endless catch-and-shoot threes, what we're about to see with Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Chris Paul is three professors of mid-range scoring <laughs> lining up and just punishing teams that over the last few years have sort of been trained to give up these mid-range shots uh, and not guard this forsaken area between the paint and the three-point line. Well, Kevin Durant finds efficiency there better than anybody in the history of the game. And this is the one stat that I've hovered around with Kevin all year in the 25 years since they've been tagging shot locations in NBA games. Nobody has put up better mid-range shooting numbers, no volume scorer than Kevin Durant has this season. Uh, The only one close was Kevin Durant last season. So he's better than Dirk. He's better than Jordan. He's better than Kobe. 
Uh, this is going to be fun to watch uh, and impossible to stop. I can't wait for these these Suns offensive possessions because they're just going to punish teams in a really unique way, I think, Brian. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Yeah, Spears, I think so. Tory Craig has been starting most of the year because of injuries to Booker and Cam Johnson. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he stays in the starting lineup. He's actually having the best shooting season of his career. He doesn't get a lot of attention, he doesn't shoot that many threes. Yeah. He's shooting over 40%. Um, but Josh Okoji, yeah, who kind of got promoted to the starting lineup in this interim period while Durant's still coming back from a knee injury, he's had four of the best, better games of his career. Certainly four of yeah. the best games of the last couple years. Um, and that's the thing about the Suns; like their their front office just traded away the farm to get Durant, but they they have also done a good job of backfilling this roster. Yeah, Damian no. Lee has been one of the yeah Damian Lee is a guy that they signed; has been one of the top top. Uh, um, three-point shooters in the league. Koji, who they got for cheap, has been really good. Torrey Craig, who they've acquired a couple of different times, has been a good spot starter. So anyway, I don't know whether uh, Monty Williams will go with the Koji or stick with Corey Craig, but what, yeah. with what Kirk said, like there's a there's a firepower here, Spears, that we're going to witness. Well, and, and obviously, you know, with Jay Crowder um, not being on the roster basically this season, like the – uh, the the Suns bench has been a really huge concern. So even if those two guys, one of those two guys you mentioned uh, stays in, like let's just say let's Craig stays in the starting lineup, which I don't think it's a bad thing because, I mean, somebody has to not have to have the ball, <laughs> right? Right, somebody's got to stand over there and space the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but what I like, though, is like uh, – like say Josh Okogie still on the bench. You got Damon Lee on the bench. TJ Warren is on the team now. I really like the addition of Terrence Ross. Yeah, yeah he had 17 guard. points in his first game with them. Exactly. Darius Basley is an interesting kid who I've, I've seen like some flashes of. I don't know how much he'll get to play for the Suns, but I like him. So they're, to me, like their their bench got a lot better and deeper. And I mean, I don't know how much the Suns are healthy. Those guys are going to really, really play. But to have Warren and Ross on your bench, man, like those, those are two really, really good players. So I, I think obviously it's an upgrade, um, you know, with Kevin Durant. Um, but, you know, now you they also have rid themselves of the Crowder situation. They have a really good bench, a better bench now. And then if you look at the standings, like Phoenix – they're only four and a half out of the second spot. And like Denver's too far away. I don't think they'll mess with Denver, but if, if they could get it rolling, um, I, I do think I expect them at minimum to at least move up in the top four in the West, if not even better. Uh, you know, Memphis had didn't go into the break playing that well. No, we'll Memphis is one changes. of the big things we got to watch in the second half, man. They, yeah. they lost their mojo a little bit. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but they'll get Steven Adams back uh, relatively soon. So that'll yeah. help. But, but I'm, I'm um, curious to see, like, yeah, I mean, Durant's a big addition. But I, I just feel like with Chris Paul there, that they're, they're going to gel quickly. Yep. And uh, he and Book and I, I think Aiton's going to get some of the easiest shots of his life. <laughs> like, <laughs> like easy putbacks, easy stuff in the post. Because when you have those three guys – 
on the perimeter, I mean, it, it it's about to get real easy for DeAndre Ayton, who's yeah. So I am not the an league ex- in field goal percentage. Or yeah, he's well. The the guy who Durant used to play with, Nick Claxton, is there for yeah. a reason uh, because yeah. of what Durant would do. Um, but uh, the um, and and real quick, Brian, Durant knows how to throw that that quick alley oop to Ayton. You know what I mean? Like the drive and just toss it up to him. So and now uh, they're gonna. They're going to be a, a beast, boy. Yeah, so I'm not an X's and O's uh, specialist. I, I, I leave that to other people who are better at it than I am. But what I do know is the way the Suns offense operates, they run a lot of stuff to, to free Chris Paul up around the elbows because we know Chris Paul is one of the game's greatest ever elbow players, um, especially as he battled knee injuries. He went from being a guy who drove in to being a guy who controlled the mid-range. And that offensive system, which Booker is very comfortable with, you know, they basically use Aiton as a as a as a screener more than almost anybody in the league. And then they let Chris Paul and, and Booker go to work. Durant fits into that beautifully. Durant, you know, working through off the elbows is perfect. So not only can well, I think Durant slide in to, to their offense already, all the players already comfortable with a sort of an offensive style that Durant's comfortable with, although Durant would be comfortable with anything. But, you know, Durant's – some of the plays that the Suns love to run are plays that Durant has run for 15 years. Like, they're these things to get him free either at the elbow or to get him free on the wing for a three. And, and he's not, not new to that, Monty Williams. Monty's known him, coached him before uh, with, with, with the Thunder and maybe with USA Basketball. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, definitely USA as well, yeah. 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 Um, and so – I think that that's going to be very good. Also, they're they're protected a little bit. Like um, they can r- have the same potency with Booker on the bench because you have uh, Duran out there, vice versa. And look, we know Chris Paul is fragile to injuries. Okay, that's like their biggest issue. Um, you can some of the stuff that that Chris Paul does to set things up, Durant can do. Yeah. And some of the plays that they run for Aiton, Durant can run because people forget Durant is a great screener when he sets a screen because he can roll because he's seven foot tall and he's a tremendous touch around the basket. So, um, yeah, I, I defensively, here's the other thing. Durant's really good on defense. Durant's a basket protector. So the, he's, you know, he's going to help him defensively. And, um, you know, Torrey Craig is a good defensive player. Um you know, I, I think they're going to, you know, in a West, it's, it's uh, wide open. Um, you know, I think that they've got to love their chances and we're going to watch them. So by the way, Sunday, I don't know if Giannis is going to be available because he has this thumb injury that I think is going to hold him out for a bit. Yeah. Sounds but doubtful. It will be, it will be a Jay Crowder revenge situation uh, in Milwaukee. So we'll, I mean, what is he going to do? Just goes. defend real hard? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. Uh, but somebody, see, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes, that's what he's gonna do exactly. Um, all right, no shame, Jay. Uh, you're a great player, man. <laughs> um, speaking of, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah, he's gonna. <laughs> I don't think Monty is intimidatable. Uh, it's, it takes a lot to, to get that done. Um, we're talking about the Clippers here in a minute, but uh, the team on the other side of this transaction, the Nets, um, Today, uh, Tuesday morning, announced that they'd signed Jacques Vaughn to a contract extension. So um, he's going to be their coach right. going forward. Get some um, some interim coach tag titles removed in the uh, Atlantic Division with uh, yeah. Joe Mazzula getting a new deal and now Jacques Vaughn getting a new deal. Um, Kirk, they're off their starting lineup that they, that, that uh, Jacques was going with at the end of the break. Um, he had Spencer Dinwiddie in as his point guard. He was starting Mikhail Bridges, who had a 40-point game um, as he's being more featured. Cam Johnson, the Twins, um, back from uh, um, from Phoenix. They brought him over, kept him in the starting lineup together. Um, then uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, he was starting basically at the four, part of the Kyrie trade. Uh, and then Nick Laxton, who's, uh, who's been really good for them this season. And then they bring off the bench. They have moved Royce O'Neal to the bench. Um, they bring Cam Thomas off the bench, who um, I know people will wonder, the guy who keeps scoring 40 points, why they got him off the bench. Well, there's some things about his game they need to work on. Uh, but he talked about a microwave score. 
Then they've got uh, Joe Harris and Seth Curry that they're bringing off the bench. Um, two of the be- you know, they've, they're not having their greatest seasons, especially Seth, um, but two sniper bench players. And I haven't even mentioned Ben Simmons because that's a complicated topic, but he is a bench player for them. Uh, and that doesn't even bring up Patty Mills and Utah, Wana, uh, Utah Wananabe, who Utah Wananabe, when he's healthy, has been really good for them. And Patty Mills obviously has a long career. That is an incredibly deep roster. None of those yeah. players I named are all-stars now. Uh, I think some of them have potential. I think Mikhail Bridges might have potential to do that. Cam Thomas, I don't know. Um, but that is a heck of a, you know, and they're also 10 games over 500. So like this is, this is no longer a championship contender, but I also don't think this is a team that is that we've heard the last from this season. Yeah. They, I've talked to a few friends there and uh, they told me two things. One, the vibes are immaculate all of a sudden. Uh, and two, the expectations are lower and you, you hit on a couple things. This is a good roster. This is a playoff team, uh, but they're not expecting to win a championship. I, I think one of the challenges that Jacques Vaughn is looking at now, and um, we talked about sort of these teams coalescing in a limited amount of time remaining in the regular season. This is one of the harder ones. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is being asked to sort of run a more traditional op- offense this team now, without the offensive efficiency in a can that is Kevin Durant, that is Kyrie Irving, has to go about finding shots in more traditional, conventional ways. They're looking for Dinwiddie to really do that. And, and to me, I will talk about Ben Simmons, because when I look at those names you just rattled off, Brian, whether he's ready for it or not, Ben Simmons has become more important to this team on both ends of the court. And for years, people like me have wondered if you could build a good basketball team around a playmaker like Simmons. And those of us who believed that you could um, really looked at these types of players as being the ideal players to put next to Ben Simmons, guys who can run and shoot in the open floor. Uh, Nick Claxton is is arguably the prototype big who can run the floor right now. Uh, but I'm talking more about players like McCall Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, uh, shooters like Joe Harris, and Seth Curry, if there was ever a moment for us to see vintage Ben Simmons come through uh, and, and run in the open floor and find, he was one of the great three-point assisters in his, in his earlier years. Man, this team could be exciting, but a lot of it does, in my opinion, hinge to does Ben Simmons, is he able to flip that switch? Maybe not this year, but going forward, I know you guys have both studied him for years, but for me, that's really the interesting question in the short term and the middle term is, is what is Ben Simmons uh, going to be here? Because I love this roster if he's able to turn back the clock a little bit. And, and perhaps there's like, it's still New York, right? But perhaps the pressure lessens on him now a little uh, with these changes and the uh, lessens the expectations of the team and maybe Ben loosens up. Because it, it, it seems like a mental thing to him, to me, w- watching him play. Like, I'm like, where it's almost like the Monstars. You feel like somebody stole stole <laughs> him, right? Like, I mean, he's much better than this. Um, but the guy I'm excited about is Mikael Bridges, man. Right. He dropped 45 in his last game. And it was interesting. I was at the last game that uh, before the trade, and it was the Suns in Brooklyn. And I, I was at that game, and, you know, book – was coming back. So I was asking Monty, like, who were you most impressed with um, while Book was out? And, and and now thinking about it, I'm like, well, was he trying to hi- uh, help the Nets out trade? I mean, uh, <laughs> the Suns trade-wise. But he just gushed about Bridges and how Bridges had scored well for him, like helped the Suns win a lot of games, showed leadership. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I actually talked to uh, Bridges before uh, the game last week in New York. And just about the shockness, the shockness is not a word, uh, the, the shocking trade and um, how he's adjusting and now having an opportunity to prove that he is a star player in this league. He is a star, all-star player in, in this game. And he's not, his game isn't flashy. Um, he does it on both ends. But I think playing in Brooklyn, like now he has an opportunity to be the leader of this team. Uh, he dropped 45 so he could show you that he could score. and perhaps now uh, could be one of the, you know, top stars or the face of the Nets. You know, it's a a, a what if 
So obviously the Suns did not want to include Bridges in that trade. Ultimately, they were okay with the draft picks. They were okay with Cam Johnson, the swap. Obviously, I think they would have put Jay Crowder. I mean, they ultimately did put Jay Crowder in. As it turned out, that was the last haggling piece. Matt Ishbia, the new owner, was very, very focused on making this trade and basically you know, directed the team to do it. James Jones ultimately was on board with it, but I think James Jones would have preferred to go all the way down to 3 o'clock on Mikhail Bridges. It didn't go down to three o'clock. They agreed to it and made the deal, you know, 12 hours, whatever it was, 15 hours before the deadline. Some interesting but I do, insight you just dropped there, Brian. Yeah, you can't just I slide that it. in there, man. Like, well, like I, I wrote it. Go ahead. That. I'm gonna let you just slide that in there. Like, we don't have to push you on that. Well, I just I just I just wonder if at the end, basically what happened was the Nets said no negotiation and they got the deal they wanted. They essentially set the terms and didn't negotiate and the in the phoenix ultimately agreed and gave them you know the whole the whole bag and they may not regret it but you do wonder and by the way maybe if sean marks were here he'd say well guess what no negotiation on tuesday meant no negotiation on thursday we'd have just kept durant and you know bridges was everything and that may be 100 percent true and that you got a new owner man that put some pressure on james if that's what the new owner wants that right. is what the new owner wanted. And, you know, the new owner, you know, like, you know, James Jones was moving on to a John Collins trade, whether or not that was a leveraging point on to leverage Brooklyn into moving. I don't know. Um, but they had a John Collins, like the, the talks broke down and they had a John Collins trade ready to go. And Matt Ishbia was like, you know what? I don't want John Collins with all due respect. I want Kevin Durant, which is, of course, what anybody would want. And he just literally the day before transferred $2.7 billion. Can you, or 2.27? Can you, you know, if you ever bought a house, like you get, you get all your money together and, you know, you have that, you have that, your, your bank balance, and then you write that cashier's check to, for your down payment. If you ever had to experience this, and it's like, holy Moses, I've just written this gigantic check and now I have nothing, you know. Matt Ishbia transferred $2.27 billion to Robert Sarver and wow. his partners to, to buy out that must team. So nice. he, you know, yeah, it must be nice to collect 2.27 and then watch it go by. Okay. So when you do something like that, you can decide who gets traded. Like that's part of the, part of the deal. Um, and so like, I just wonder, was there some way the Suns could have played that where they could have kept bridges? Well, Probably, Brian, not. Brian. Probably not. Probably not. This is the thing in the NBA that people got to realize, like, it's not too often that somebody's getting fleeced, right? You, you got to give up something well, to get something. Of course. And, and like, that's what the Nets would say. Yeah. And, and, and in Sacramento, I remember last year, they're like, we, we left, we left, you know, lost Tyrese. Yeah, Sabonis is good, too. Like, yeah. I thought it was a yeah. good trade for both teams. And under the circumstances, I was, it was I thought it was pretty good for the Suns under the circumstances, uh, although no one's Durant. Um, but I wonder if, what if the Suns had offered Mikel in the offseason? Like, could that deal have been done in 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 August or when when he had made the previous trade trade request? Well, I think I think the deal probably doesn't get done with Brout Bridges, but I just no. But what if they did? Like, oh, last last summer? Yeah, like I don't look. I'm a big Kevin Durant fan, man. You could have Bridges. You could have that gorilla mascot, like, you know, can I send some cactus? <laughs> like, what, what do you want, man? Can I get well, some, ultimately, some passes for the W pool in Scottsdale? Like, <laughs> what do you ultimately, need, man? Right. Ultimately, that's what they decided. They decided that as much as they love Mikhail Bridges, they love Kevin Durant more. So that that's that's just, I'm just saying, though, like, they were trying to figure out a way to do that deal without Bridges in it. Obviously, they couldn't do it. But well, like, like, come on now, like... Yeah. it's Kevin Durant. Like what do they expect? Well, that, they're trying to win the title. That's what they're that trying desperate? to do. No, I they're trying to win the title. For him. This ain't like Kyrie's situation. Well, and that's the position that the Nets were taking. And that's why they didn't get a deal last summer. Yeah. And it took, you know, the, the Suns putting in basically everything they had to get him now. So, yeah. um, all right, before we go, I want to take a look at what the Clippers have decided to do with Russell Westbrook. Um, uh, Spears, I, what, what was your initial reaction when this went down, where the Clippers went ahead? Cause this was not a simple decision. Yeah. Um, there were, there was a whole bunch of players that got bought out 
and were already playing for other teams while Westbrook was still hanging out there. There was all kinds of meetings within the Clippers. Woj reported that Westbrook had discussions with Lawrence Frank, with Ty Lu. You know, this, you know, I'm sure Steve Ballmer had a lot of talks with his front office and Ty Lu. Like, this was not a simple decision. Um, what do you think about the Clippers, you know, going in and making, pulling the trigger on Westbrook? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm guessing that Paul George must have, like, really, really fought for him and, and wanted him. And, uh, you know, they, they had a, obviously by this, they must have had a pretty good relationship in Oklahoma you City, you know, for him to want to do this. And it allows Russell to stay home. But, like, the Clippers, I think, have a good problem because, I mean, you got – I don't know. Respectfully to Russ, Eric Gordon's a sniper boy. I'd probably play Eric Gordon over him. I could be wrong. I just, and he, I just, yeah, he had Eric Gordon had seven in the last game before the Clippers, before the break. The Clippers had one of their better wins of the season. They went into Phoenix and won yeah. in, I think a game was in Phoenix. They beat Phoenix has been hot. Phoenix has had won five out of six yeah. because Chris Paul and Booker were healthy again. Yeah. Aiton has been playing great. They go in there and win. And Eric Gordon was really good in that game. Yeah. Had seven assists and like 16 points off the bench operating the offense. But look, look at Terrence their guards. Mann, like, this is their guards, yeah. right? Their reserve guards. You just mentioned Terrence Mann. You got Eric Gordon. Bones Highland, a talented young player. I know Amir Coffey and Boston Jr., Brandon Boston, like they were already frustrated about their lack of time probably. And now they, they might as well just go in, in you know, enjoy the sights right now you know and norma Powell is kind of like a swingman to me like where well, they better had some great i'm sure they must have some amazing conversation with russell westbrook because i don't know what he could expect in terms of playing time like rotation i mean like where does he fit in like paul george is going to play a lot right like paul he, george operates is he going to play point too. guard like wh- how are they going to use him is he going to start at point like I don't know. I like Eric Gordon a lot, man. And to me, if you got Eric Gordon on the court with Paul George and with Kawhi, (laughs) Russ, you can watch that too. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to keep Eric Gordon on the court with them two guys as much as possible. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. I was pretty surprised. I When I saw it, I was like, wow. Because I think Kawhi had to have been for it too. Right. But Paul George was the catalyst. Kirk, I was like, wow, I, uh, I, I can't believe they did it. Is he, are, yeah, but yeah. do you start him? Where, what's his role? What do you guys think his role is? Listen, man, you cannot start him. Come on, man. You cannot start him. Absolutely not. No, it is absolutely but when do, not Okay, so then when do you bring him off the bench? Never. Like, well, how do you use him? Never. What's his role? Exactly. I don't know. That's the big Kirk, question, guys. Know. This is a question of role clarity. If you're telling me Westbrook's going to play 30 minutes a night for this team, I hate this move. I hate it. I've watched a decade of it. This guy is inefficiency in a can. He turns the ball over more than almost any other player in the league. He takes shots that other players, teammates should take. Uh, it's, it is going to come down to how he's being used. And before, here's where I was with this team. 
Uh, I was talking to Zach about it last week after the the flurry of deadline moves that this team made that Spears did a great job sort of outlining. And then I loved it. I loved all the pieces. Ty Lue, one of my favorite playoff coaches, I thought those trade deadline moves gave Ty Lue a lot to play with. And he's a great tinkerer, a great strategist. I love that pre-Westbrook flurry of moves for this team's playoff. If you look at the numbers with Kawhi and Paul, man, this team is starting to just hum. And and the, I love the, the, the versatility they have. Uh, and then they just throw this in there. If, Gluttonous, right? If Westbrook accepts a diminished role, which is the biggest if west of the Mississippi River, folks. If he accepts a diminished role, this could work. But if you're telling me he's starting or he's he's he's, he's a high volume player, he's closing games. I don't like this move at all for Tyloo and the Clippers. Uh, so I think the ultimate question, and you guys already alluded to it, is a role clarity question. What are we expecting here? Uh, five minutes a game, twenty minutes a game, thirty minutes a game. The answer to that sort of will tell me how to feel about this this risk. Yeah, um... the Clippers started Terrence Mann. I guess it's at point guard. They don't really have a point guard, right? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, John Wall was injured already and they traded him. They traded out uh, Reggie Jackson. Um, Terrence Mann does kind of start as their point guard. And by the way, in that game in Phoenix, he had one of his best games of the season. Uh, I wonder where his head is at seeing this move. Um, And so they kind of have a, they have a number of different guys that initiate the offense. They, you know, Paul George does it. Kawhi Leonard can do it. Terrence Mann does it. When uh, Marcus Morris is a guy who can distribute a little bit. I'm not saying he's bringing the ball up, but yeah. they can run offense through him. That's the way their team is designed. When they go to the bench, Eric Gordon has been coming off the bench. Like I said, he led them in assists the last game. I'm not saying that'll be the case every time. Eric Gordon's been handling the ball his whole career. He's mm-hmm. been a guy who, who can do it part-time. They have Bones Highland, who is not a pure point guard, but certainly can play that role. They have a lot of guys sort of sharing. Who do you like better, Bones or Russ? Come on, man. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, where, where is he going to play? What's I mean, his role? Like, he's a, the thing about Russ is he's like – when I so when went you to say, the Lakers, come on, man. Are you like, what, what do you mean, come on, man? So when when I went to the game where LeBron broke the record, Russ had 19 points in that game, and he had four or five pretty nice plays where he got down the court, uh, you know, because he still plays with great intensity, still plays with with high speed. Um, he had a couple of you know, he might've had a steal or two. Like he, like I could put together a highlight package from that game yeah. and show he it to you well like, for the Lakers. And you'd be like, man, like that's, that's like, you know, how could they, how could the league not be crawling all over themselves to get this guy? And I see fans who see that they go, I mean, and like, I also think like other players, um, but, but, but Russ Brian, is, don't forget the Darvin Ham situation in the last game. That's right. But that's like, what I'm talking about. Like, but if yeah. you watch so the entire game. So if he's not played game, a lot, is he going to get mad at T. T- Lou? Like, this, is my, this is my point. If you uh, watch the entire game, he absolutely killed the Lakers that night. Killed them with yeah. so many things that he did in that game. And he refused to leave the court when he was getting subbed out for a guy who was about to break the one of the most historic records in all of sports gave his coach the side eye at being taken out of the game in that moment. And then when they went in the locker room and the coach got on him about it, they went chest to chest. Okay. That's also Russell Westbrook. Okay. And so, and that's just Russ being Russ. I'm not even, I'm just saying like, he's just, he is being who he is. And so that's my thing. Like, I'm not sure that that's, you know, that's teams are afraid of that. Teams are afraid yeah. of a role player doing that stuff. And that was the other thing, like Bill Plaschke from the LA Times, who's been their columnist forever, he wrote a column yesterday just skewering the Clippers for this move. And he he said, he goes, when Russ was on the Lakers, when the when the team played poorly, but Russ played well, he was happy. When the team played well, but Russ played poorly, he was upset that he wasn't more involved. He said that was a commonplace thing, and that led to some frustration in the locker room. And he thinks the Clippers are crazy for bringing that in. And I'm just going to say that Russ, that, that the, Russ is very popular to some people in the league. The, th- the thing is, if it does work somehow, though, and I will say this, he, they didn't trade away 
five players or whatever it was, four players and a draft pick for him. They didn't pay him $47 million. Their investment level is a lot lower. Right. You know, in theory, they they could could cut him if it goes bad. I do think Chicago would have been better for Russ, though. I think he, I think he fits better in that situation because the expectations are way different. It's not like he's joining a team that has got a lot going for it, especially at guard. And a coach who's coached uh, him. Right. Um, but the other thing is, if it does work a little bit, it, it, is, it does allow the Clippers to stick their finger in the Lakers' eye and allows Russ to stick his finger in the Lakers' eye, which, you know, I don't think that should be priority one, but there yeah. is a little side ancillary benefit. I just don't um, think they needed them. I, I was like gushing over their team before the all-star right. break, all the moves that they made and how they looked. Uh, so I was like, it's just kind of like, a, it's, it's kind of gluttonous. It's a little risky, but like you said, if it doesn't work, they could easily say goodbye. Uh, Kirk, what did you think about the uh, Cavs letting Kevin Love walk to the Miami Heat who they could play in the first round of the playoffs? I don't like it. Uh, the playoffs are such a brutal endeavor. You need depth. And I know Kevin had fallen out of the rotation, uh, but man, like in a tight spot in a game six, if somebody turns an ankle, dude, he's a huge luxury. And he's a veteran who's been to the top levels of the NBA playoffs. And that team doesn't have a lot of that. Uh, it was a head scratcher to me, Brian. I did not like it. I like it for Miami for the same reasons. But, you know, I know they were trying to do something for a guy who'd fallen out of the rotation. I know the organization was trying to help him out. But this is the time where I would have been selfish uh, if I'm in that front office and being like, guys, what happens if, if Jared Allen or Evan Mobley turns his ankle in the second round of the playoffs? Uh, and And now you're telling me, I go from a potential Hall of Famer replacement who I know is at the end or, or, or not in his prime anymore, but still isn't going to be afraid to make big shots, get rebounds, uh, fire those outlet passes we can all picture in our head. It's, it's a great question, and I love Cleveland. I've, I've been singing their praises uh, for a year now, but this one to me, I was, I was just scratching my head, Brian. Spears, I could kind of understand why they would let him go if that's what he really wanted. Yeah. I cannot believe they let him go sign with a team they could play in the playoffs. Because we know, we've seen it, their teams can do buyouts where they say, all right, but pick your team. We want to know who it is, and it's got to not be in, in, the, in the East. I am very surprised they allowed him to go to the Heat. You know, I wonder if, uh, I do find it interesting. Didn't they say they were going to retire his jersey too? Yeah, they acted like they were the ones who were imposing something on him. They, they gave this, yeah. you know, Kobe Altman just saying, and, you know, Kobe and Kevin have been at odds on and off for years, but um, he, they sang his praises, you know, just called him the greatest guy in the world, said they're going to retire his jersey. Oh, and by the way, they did him another favor. They let him make a million and a half dollars. Here's why. He took a million and a half bucks less to get out of the contract, he basically gave up a million, 1.5 million, which was more than the minimum that he could have given up and gives the Cavs a little bit of breathing area under luxury tax if they sign another player. But then he went and signed for 3.1 million with the Heat. <laughs> so the Heat, you know, I guess feeling the need to compete with other teams for love gave him their biannual exception, which was prorated 3.1 million. So Kevin Love in the transaction picked up 1.6 million, which is good for him. I mean, you know, God bless. I'm just saying like, not only did the Cavs give him what he wanted, they, they made hit the, the Cavs could have said, give us that extra 1.6 million. Not that it really makes a difference in the world for the Cavs to have another million six, but like not only did they do it, they structured the deal, deal in a way that allowed love to pick up an extra million and a half. Like, you know, he better never say a crossword about the Cavs ever uh, after the way that, that they've handled him on, on this one. But yeah, I mean, to Kirk's point, if they end up playing them in the playoffs, man. Yeah, I mean, can't I, you just I, I, see it? Can't you just see Game Four? You know, <laughs> the Cavs are up two-one. The game's in Miami, and 
And here comes Kevin Love, and he hits like two threes in like the start of the fourth quarter, changes the game. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Butler finishes it, and now all of a sudden the Cavs have lost. I mean, I can a key see rebound. Right. That's not even like a far-fetched scenario. No. Uh-uh. So I'm – you know what lo- kind of lost in this is when I saw that he was going to be a free agent, I'm like, wow, what a perfect guy to, for Golden State to add in terms of his size and his rebounding and his shooting ability. And Golden State has come up with nothing. Like, I guess even Patrick Beverly said that uh, he turned down the Warriors. Um I mean, who knows by the time this podcast runs, if the Warriors do something different. I don't know what's really out there, if there's much out there yet, but they got an open roster spot and haven't been able to find anybody worthy, I mean, find anybody to take it. Yeah, well, that is interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I wonder I, I if did, they I looked never... at Russ, too. Oh, I'm not sure, but. I would say no way. <laughs> well, Bob, uh, Bob probably knows them from the Wasserman days, right? So, who knows? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> most of the time, historically, most of the time, buyout guys do not end up making much of an impact. Yeah. Except when they do, because it does happen occasionally, <laughs> and there have been some high. There have been Sam a couple Cassell, of moments. PJ Brown and Boston were pretty good. PJ right? Brown like helped win them a couple of playoff games. So, yeah. but that's what everybody goes to. That's now 15 years ago. And whenever yeah. we talk about a buyout guy, we say, "Oh yeah, PJ Brown." And he, we were saving it when it was seven years earlier. We were saving it when it was 10 years earlier. It just yeah. doesn't happen that often. There are yeah. there are times. I think Nick Batum when he went to 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 the Clippers, he was a factor. But. Uh, okay, thank you, Mr. Hall of Famer, Kurt Gowdy Award winner, Mr. Mark J. Spears, for your time. Thank you, thank Kurt you. Goldsberry. Thanks thank you, Jackson and Bruce, our uh, producers. Thank you, Listen to Collective. We'll talk to you with the Tims on Friday. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.